Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Natchpreneur Movement. I am pumped again today to have another amazing, fascinating practitioner um, that I get to speak to and interview. He's going to be present at Maddox, and I can't wait to dive into all of the things she loves about her work, her life, and herself. Hi, Brooke. Hi, so nice to talk to you. You too. So, uh, you absolutely love what you do, right? Yes, absolutely. I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Has it always been like that? Um, definitely not. Um, I would say that I've had quite a few evolutions with um, the direction that I wanted to take with my career. Um, and I, I started studying naturopathy when I was 18. So um, I was fresh out of school. I, um, I wasn't quite aligned with my values and what what it meant to be an adult yet. So um, I was learning all this incredible information, but not quite sure how I could apply that in the real world, particularly because, you know, I also wanted to have an active social life and also wanted to, you know, I guess have a bit of self-discovery in myself. Um, so when I graduated um, my course, I ended up doing a bit of traveling and that actually sort of helped to, um, I guess, get me on the path to figuring out what I wanted to do with, with this life. And um, when I came back from my travels, I actually started working in a really um, busy practice, uh, which was such a, an incredible experience, um, shadowing a, a practitioner that had you know, quite a lot of experience and then moving up into a senior level within the practice too. And um, what I noticed was that I was living this, you know, this incredible life um, as a practitioner, but in my own personal life, I was still trying to figure out who I was and you know, what, what, um, where I fit within, within the world too. And um, at the time I was actually living in a different state. I'm from Sydney, but um, I was living in Western Australia. And so when the time came for me to move back from Western Australia to Sydney, I actually um, started working at a large corporate in sales. Yeah, wow, um, that's a bit of a different step. It so. was, it was. And it didn't, um, it didn't light me up inside like um, being client facing did. And, um, and then I realized I had um, this, this strong desire to do, do more technical work. So I moved into product development, wow. which um, was really fantastic. And I loved that. And then I moved into regulatory affairs and natural progression. Um, and then I fell pregnant. So um, once I fell pregnant, I, um, I start, started my maternity leave and then I had another shift in my values, which kind of led me to um, starting my own business and kind of going back to what I originally loved, which was um, being client-facing and, and working with people. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So there's many practitioners who are listening and um, we all obviously come from such a wide variety of backgrounds. And I often wondered going through, because I did my first uni degree in um, medical and applied biotechnology, uh, when I came straight into, you know, from, from being um, 17 and 18 years old, and then, uh, you know, nine years later did my degree in naturopathy. And I often wondered, you know, what the difference would have been had I've gone there first. Mm. But like you said, that it comes with advantages of knowing it first, but it comes with the disadvantages 
uh, of what you described on your personal kind of journey around not having the life experience to be able to apply to some of those fundamentals when it comes to naturopathy around our core values, what we truly want in life, what's in alignment with us. Because, yeah, as a, uh, a human, you're still figuring that out. Um, Absolutely. At an early stage. Yeah, and I, I still think I'm figuring it out as well. Like I think oh, it's something that you know, <laughs> I still think it's something that I go each day. I wake up and I go, you know, what am I going to do today? And and how did, what does that look like? Um, and look at it, like as I mentioned, it definitely hasn't always been, um, you know, of loving loving my work and and sort of knowing where I fit in that space. But mm. certainly doing clinical work. Um, really it really lit me up inside it was definitely a really strong passion for me and I particularly liked working with people that were um struggling to make change because I could relate I was really you know myself I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do with my life um in in my personal life and where I was living and also within my professional life too and so I could really I could strongly relate to um some of the things people are experiencing where they were, um, you know, well, helping them to identify those barriers to change um, as I went through it myself. Yeah. And so uh, is that the bit that you love mostly about um, con- consultative work that you yeah. can really create behavioural change for people as well as, of course, give them all the technical advice that you've, you've had lots of experience in um, understanding the background of in your other jobs? Yeah, uh, so I definitely feel that that was um, a skill set that I wanted to um, expand on um, because a common theme that I see, and I'm sure most practitioners see it with their clients when they come through, they're they're constantly beating themselves up. And um, what I really um, enjoy doing is helping people to identify the barriers to change and recognising that in order to move through those painful feelings, they need to make room for them. Um, and, and also if beating yourself up was a way to change behavior, then wouldn't everyone be perfect? <laughs> so um, that's definitely something that I, um, I really uh, thought was um, something I wanted to expand my knowledge on, particularly mental health and, and overcoming, um, overcoming those adversities but actually being okay to sit with them too and having the love and the grief living alongside each other and not you know not creating a need to change in order to get these incredible results but just being okay with who you are right now is is what we're going to start with Mm. and then we're going to work together so that you you can create the changes that you want as well. Yeah, that was a game changer in my practice when I started doing a bit of uh, personal development um, two or three years in and I, and I started to recognise how wrong and how broken I was making the people who were coming to me because I had the audacity to think I could fix them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. You know, uh, my background's in pathology, so I was, I was constantly taught to look for the things that are wrong. You know, yeah. pathology, disease, mechanisms, we're constantly looking for the things that are wrong. And through checking out what's wrong, that means we're making, we can quite quickly, easily make that person wrong and therefore 
create a really interesting duality where that person doesn't have all of what they have inside them ready to to change and facilitate their own healing. Mm. Uh, it's a really easy one to forget in the in the way the model that we're taught. I feel. Yeah, absolutely. With- and I felt I felt that that was you know an area that I needed to discover a lot more of, which kind of led me into um, further study. So I'm studying um, my graduate degree in counselling, but I'm also um, practicing now mindfulness-based stress reduction and also um, acceptance commitment therapy with my clients because I felt I can give you some things that I know will help you, but are you going to make the changes when you get home? And that's the the reality. I'm the facilitator of change here, but the real change happens at home. And so it's outside of our sessions. How are we going to get you feeling um, primed to actually um, make these changes and and change the way that you see the world? Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I think that's that other notion that when we come out as a practitioner and we're taught all of the things to solve the problems per se, mm. uh, that we're taught remedies, but as we go along and see a few more clients, you start to notice quite quickly that the therapeutic effect is often 80% or more the conversation that happens. And yeah, uh, yeah and, and through the counselling perspective, I'm sure you've experienced that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's also, you know, part of acknowledging the pain as well that people are experiencing, but also making room for, um, the joy as well, kind of being able to live with, with those thoughts, um, while, you know, while going about your life and and still enjoying things. I think Mm. that was kind of, um, what I found was a, a shift in my practice too, that I could have some practical still skills that I could teach people that were identifying their values and helping them to really, um, really be able to hold on to what is important to them and recognize that sometimes the goals that they set to not align with the values that they've set as well. Mm. So that actually changed the way that I started prescribing too, because I thought if I'm setting these goals, we're setting these goals, but they don't align with what is valuable to you, then it's never going to work out. It's never going to be the outcome that you want and you're going to come back in and feel defeated and deflated. Um, but it just wasn't quite right for you in that present moment. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, how would you go about finding your values for helping any practitioners who are listening? How could you help them find their values? Because you, you mentioned right at the beginning that that was part of what uh, you recognised was was a difficult thing for you to begin with, was that mm. you weren't sure what your values were and therefore you were out of alignment. How, how would you find, help a practitioner find their values? Yeah, good question. Actually, I will be running through um, identifying values at NatX as well, so I'm really excited about doing that. Um, but essentially, um, values aren't goals, um, so they're quite dynamic, but they, um, they're freely chosen um but they're ever evolving so you might have something that you feel is quite valuable right now that um isn't necessarily going to be a priority when you are confronted with another event or incident so they kind of they shift and change um and they're quite intrinsic intrinsically rewarding values are um are definitely something that you can um find within yourself that you know um actually kind of sends you on your true north it 
pushes you on the path that you know that you want to take. So for example, some values might be that you um, prioritize your self-care, um, you prioritize compassion, you like connection. Um, values can also be things like you're assertive, you like to learn a lot. Um, and that's actually, it, it kind of tells us a little bit about how um, you go about your day-to-day -day and what works for you. So my partner and I did a values exercise the other night because um, I, I thought, oh, it's, it's quite nice to sort of um, check in with each other's values. And then we um, also chose what we saw the other person's values as being too. Mm. And it was interesting to see from his perspective what he thought was um, something, you know, he observed in me versus yeah. what I thought in myself. Um, so my, my core values are things like self-care, self-compassion, mindfulness, um, and they, they actually shift and shape throughout the day. So sometimes the values oppose each other and I think, look, that self-care priority is not going to be strong for me right now because I have to do something else that is not aligned with that self-care. For example, I want to go to the gym, but I have to, you know, drop my daughter somewhere. So that is not aligned with that self-care value, but it doesn't mean they go away. It just means that we'll regain balance a little bit later on when I am able to go to the gym and sort of take that value back. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So, um, and, and how did it differ? I, I'm intrigued about, um, and, and I really enjoy actually exploring values. We do it a lot on our retreats. Mm. Um, I, I'm intrigued as to, because I often see from an outsider's perspective or from a results-based perspective, how people are actually prioritizing other values than what they say they do. Mm. So, it's, so it's a really intriguing idea that your partner noticed certain values in you well, yeah yeah I know I thought that was really cool too hmm. um and it was his idea the exercise um to pick out and look a lot of them aligned but there were certain things he saw in me that I thought oh, I didn't recognize that that was actually something that was clearly um you know viewed by you as something a way I live my life and it, of course it aligns but um yeah it's quite a nice exercise to I guess see how other people see you as well mm. in that capacity so yeah, yeah like, I quite enjoyed it but um, I definitely find that you know work like by being able to identify someone else's core values um, changes the way that first of all um, we we go about their prescription and also mm. you know how we're going to um, work work towards success because they could say to me look my value is um, going back to the exercise thing, because that's an easy thing for me to say, but um, my value is exercise. I'd like to have um, more activity and fitness in my life. And then I'll say, okay, well, um, if you could rate out of 10, the, how realistic it is for you to actually achieve this fitness goal that you've set. So say I want to go to the gym five times a week, which is, you know, that, yep. that's a, a, a nice value or goal to set. But if you say to me, look, um, realistically, it's a five out of 10. I'm not probably not going to be able to do that. It doesn't mean that fitness isn't a value for you. It just means the goal that we've set is probably not going to eventuate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I find that people who value their family um, and they've got pictures of their family around or they've, 
Um, you know, the first picture on their phone is a family member. They're always prioritizing their time in their schedule to go to family events and things. It's more likely that you can create a goal uh, that is based around you will get up three times a week or four times a week to do your exercise so that on the weekend you can run around with your uh, children slash grandchildren or whatever else it has to be. So you can, you can help really hone in on that behavioural change for people when they do truly align with their values. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Hopefully that was a gold nugget for some of you people listening. <laughs> and if it was, you make sure you go and uh, check out what your values are. Have a think about it. Take some time to really focus in on that. So the last two elements of the theme fanatics are love your life and love yourself. And uh, you mentioned that self-care was one of your biggest values and we're trying to bring it into all aspects of Natics, be it um, play mm. in the ball pit, be it uh, yoga um, in the mornings, be it meditation. How do you prioritise self-care when it comes to you being a practitioner? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, I have a 20 month old daughter, so um, we like to go to the park or go for walks. Um, and definitely my self-care activities tend to be slow activities that are restorative. And because I, I'm running a business and I'm, I'm also a student and I have, you know, I have lots of different things that I um, am spreading my time doing. The slow activities uh, really mean a lot to me and help me to uh, just ground myself, even if it's just, you know, sitting in the backyard and throwing a ball and, you know, just just chilling out. I really value the slow. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I liked what you said before about uh, your values change and your your practices change as uh, your life changes and your, and your time of life changes. I remember when my son was as big as your daughter and uh, just sitting in the backyard with um, bubbles or going on a nature walk and uh, collecting sticks and yeah. rocks was so powerfully important at the time when I was pretty much adrenally fatigued from being a mum and a business owner. Yeah. And how uh, now, you know, everybody at school, it's really changed to having to prioritise energetic kind of activities and being okay that, things change yeah yeah and like my body and my life needs something different as as the seasons of my life change mm. absolutely well I have um I'll have to you know take some B vitamins and get my energy going but she is very <laughs> she is very high energy so um that's why I throw the ball because <laughs> she loves to go in she loves to go and collect it and bring it back to me so it's it's getting her energy out in my slowness I, <laughs> I just sort of chill out so yeah no, it's, it's a really special time. Awesome. Mm. Awesome. So thank you so much for this conversation today. I'm so excited for everybody coming to Nerdx to uh, experience uh, more of your wisdom when it comes to being able to create change for themselves and create change for their clients, especially with uh, the amount of experience you've had and um, the incredible knowledge base that you have around these things. And uh, yeah, thanks again so much. If you'd like to get in contact with Brooke, her details are in the show notes and we will be seeing you at Natix. I can't wait. Thanks, Tammy. Thanks. <laughs>